0: We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Mani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Mani. You know, if I could think of any verse, I guess you could say, that could summarize our study today, I'm reminded of the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 1. In which the Bible says, therefore, walk worthy. Walk worthy. And we see that also other places within the scriptures, Romans chapter 12. But you know, to walk worthy, the Greek word is the word axion. We get our word axle from it. It means like over here and over here. They're kind of like parallel. They're kind of like... Uh, you know, proper, they're they are equal in weight in one sense. And here we have this great salvation that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that you're washed in the blood of the Lamb, that you're a Christian, you're free, you're forgiven. And you know, and it's a great salvation that we have. I know some of you here, you know, it's a hard thing to really, really let sink in. But if you trust Jesus, then you are you are forgiven you are cleansed when god looks at you he sees no sin from a positional standpoint and so with that in mind with that freedom that we've been given with that love that we have we should therefore then walk worthy we should therefore then walk appropriately we should live the life you know i'm reminded of what you know the bible says and Paul wrote in the Book of Philippians chapter two, uh, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it 's God who works in you both to will and to do for his own good pleasure and in one sense, and I know there 's a lot packed in that verse, but in one sense it 's kind of like everything you need in life it 's in you man it 's in you, I mean to overcome the struggles and the temptations, and you know you 've got the tug of the world and you know your flesh and and then the devil, there's this tri- triangle of temptation, you know, and a lot of times we think, well, I can't overcome, you know, for whatever reason, I haven't been Christian long enough or I'm not, you know, old enough or mature enough. But you know what? It's in you. It's it's in you to be a godly man and to be a godly woman. I think a lot of times we're living under where we should be living. And so Joshua, it's so cool. It gives us a visual illustration of how we as Christians should be living a victorious Christian life. Not perfect, but proper. How we as Christians should walk worthy. It's a visual illustration of how God has land for us, a life for us, that we need to go in and possess. Stop making excuses. Stop thinking that we can't. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. He's my Joshua. That's my Jesus. And that's really the life of consistency. That we need to be living as Christians. You know the Bible says. These things I write to you. That you may not sin. That's our our desire. Of course if we do sin. We have an advocate. With the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. And he watches us and forgives us. But we get back up. And we begin to live the life. And so we see the illustration here in Joshua 16. As they're dividing the land, um, notice what it says here in verse 1. It says, The lot fell to the children of Joseph from the Jordan by Jericho to the waters of Jericho on the east, to the wilderness that goes up from Jericho through the mountains to Bethel. Then went on from Bethel to Luz, passed along to the border of the Ark at Adaroth, And went down westward to the boundary of the Japhethites, as far as the boundary of lower Beth, Horon to Gezer, and it ended at the sea. So the children of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim, took their inheritance. Now, just in case you just popped in, you're wondering, wow, this is the Bible, huh? I don't know, what is this, you know? Just in case you're here, what's happening is the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. You guys remember the Ten Commandments? You know, God used Moses to bring them out of Egypt. And now they wandered through the wilderness. Eventually they came to the promised land. And now they're getting their land. That's what we see here. They're getting their land. There's 12 tribes that are now receiving their inheritance. This right here, he speaks about the descendants of Joseph. Joseph's sons, who were Ephraim and Manasseh. Ephraim and Manasseh were the sons of Joseph, whom Jacob had kind of adopted in Genesis chapter 49. We know that since the tribe of Levi wasn't given any territory, these two tribes made up the difference so that there was still 12 tribes in Israel. When you look at it, we see that the birth order was Manasseh and then Ephraim. But remember what happened, you guys, how Jacob reversed it? Do you guys remember that? Jacob, you know, put his right hand on the younger son, Ephraim, and his left hand on Manasseh. And so when Joseph saw it, he said, hey, Dad, I know you're going blind. You got him wrong, right? And, uh, and, and uh, Jacob said, no, I didn't. This is right. This is the way the, the younger is going to be greater. And it's kind of cool because a lot of people say it's like the cross. You see, it's interesting to me how the cross brings the second birth into action. You know, the first birth, when we're born physically, it doesn't do anything for us. It's when we're born again that we receive the blessing. And there's a lot of illustrations of that in the Bible, how it wasn't the first birth, it was the second birth. Whether it be Ephraim and Manasseh, it could be Isaac and Ishmael, it could be Jacob and Esau. You go on and on down the line, even Cain and Abel. It's amazing to me how God shows the second birth to be the birth that he blesses. You know, I remember the day that I was born again, how God changed my life, how God came into our life. And we can testify to that. We have been born again. And with that born-again experience and reality, what ends up happening is we now receive an inheritance. Have you guys ever received an inheritance? Anyone here ever received an inheritance just out of curiosity? I know I have, and I've been very, very blessed by it. In all honesty, I wouldn't be able to live without my inheritance that I've been given. And that's not just a physical thing, of course, it's true there, but it's also true spiritually, spiritually. How God has given us an inheritance. Did you know that you have an inheritance? And you're wondering, well, what's my inheritance? Well, your inheritance is what God wants you to do in life. It's your, I would call it reward slash responsibility. Let's put it that way. Reward and responsibility. Going together. These are the things that God has for you. It's your victory. It's all this package that God wants us to possess Here we see, first of all, a general description of the borders of the inheritance of Joseph's sons. And then he gets more specific. Look what it says in verse 5. It says, the border of the children of Ephraim, according to their families, was thus. And so now he's going to list the cities that would give us the border of Ephraim. Okay? And so he shares, um, according to their families, was thus. Okay? The border of their inheritance on the east side was Adaroth, Adar, as far as upper Beth Horon. And the border went out toward the sea on the north side of Mikmithah, Then the border went around toward Tanoth, eastward Shiloh, and passed by it on the east of Janoha. Then it went down from Janoha to Adaroth, and Ara reached to Jericho and came out at the Jordan. The border went out from Tupua westward to the Brekana, and it ended at the sea. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Ephraim, according to their families. And so we kind of see their border there. I was listening to a study uh, not too long ago by Damian Kyle, and he's talking about all the different cities and all the different words and names. And he said, you know, if you wanted to, you could probably look all of these up in the hebrew language and get their numeric value and then take the bible code and divide it by seven i bet you'd have a hidden meeting and we probably could that's how amazing the bible is but damien kyle then went on to say but i'm not that smart and i have to tell you neither am i but there are some things that we see you know the borders God says, I want you to go to the edge all the way. I want you to possess all. I want all of you to get all that I have for you. You go to the borders. Here's where you go. You don't go beyond, but you know your responsibility, your delegation, your place in life. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. He says the the borders there, and then he shares the cities. Verse 9, the separate cities for the children of Ephraim were among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh, All the cities with their villages. And we see these brothers right here intertwined. We're going to see later he mentions uh, cities, you know, within the inheritance. And, you know, this is basically the blessings that God would give to them. Now, one thing we're not really clear on is whether they were all fortified cities or not. Because it's interesting how he uses cities and towns and villages. More than likely, whenever you see the cities mentioned here, there is at least some type of fortification so anyways this is what uh, Ephraim received we see their borders we see a few cities mentioned here but then look what it says in verse 10 and they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt in Gezer but the Canaanites dwelt among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers here we read that Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites. Now, if you jump over real quick to chapter 17, look at verse 12. It says, yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities. Interesting. First, we read they did not drive them out. And then secondly, we read they could not, now this is Manasseh now, they could not drive them out. You know, when you read this right here, it's definitely not good. Because we know God's plan was for his people to drive out all that did not belong in the promised land. Numbers chapter 33 verse 52 says, Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, destroy all their engraved stones, destroy all their molded images, and demolish all their high places. God not wanted no evil to remain whatsoever, not a trace of it. There was no place for that among God's people. God's plan was to provide the power. We read earlier in Joshua chapter 3, verse 10, Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and all those other termites, all those guys that are the enemies. God said, That's the plan. You go into the land. I want you to drive them all out. And by this, you'll know that the living God is among you because he, without fail, will drive them all out. You see, we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to live below the promised land. We don't have to. We have God in us. And that's what he's trying to say. We have God in us. We have God for us. But here we have them right there. They did not drive out the Canaanites. They were, you know, not there believing and therefore receiving the promises. You know, all the power was part of God's plan to defeat the enemy. God had warned them in Numbers 33, verse 55, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes, thorns in your side, and they shall harass you in the land you dwell. You see, that's what happens when we as Christians do not believe and receive the plan and power of God for us. To live a life of consistency. To live a life of character. To live a life as a godly man and a godly woman. I mean, think about it. You ever get something in your eye, irritants in your eye? It just bugs you, right? You ever had a thorn in your side? You know, that's kind of crazy, man. I know, you know, you look at that. I mean, think about that. There you are in your land. there they are harassing you. Harassing you. And I think what the Lord wants to tell us is you don't have to live that way. You don't have to. It's a choice that we make whether or not we would be willing to drive them out. You know, later they we see they could not. Here they just did not. I don't know if it's a reflection of laziness. I don't know if it's just that they, they liked them. I don't know. It says right there that they made them forced laborers and we'll, we'll get into that later an interesting thing you know but when we see this i think it's important for us to understand that we need to drive out those areas of our life that don't belong it was a huge failure not on god's part but on theirs on ours on mine when we don't believe and receive for god will not provide his power if we will not abide in him John 15, 5, a very familiar verse. I am the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You know, and it's that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Where we're intimately connected with him. You know, maybe you're here today and you think you're doing a lot and maybe you're not. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you're doing things for God. Are you really doing what God wants you to do in God's power? See, without Him, we can do a whole lot of nothing. And I don't know about you, but I want to wake up one day and find out that I wasted my life because I was doing my own thing with my own strength. See, that's what we need to make sure we have under control because there we are sometimes so many times doing a whole lot of nothing and I'm not abiding so he's not providing. I'm not living it so the enemy's living in areas that should not be too close to me and my family. you see? And we need God to come in and give us the strength to abide in Christ is to remain, to rest, to trust. He then gives us peace for the path and courage for the kill. Remember Mark 9.23, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. It's just a a life, it's a heart, I think, of sanctification. Um, If you go over to Judges, it's the very next book. In Judges chapter 2, we see this cycle over and over again. And uh, we could pick it up anywhere, but basically what would happen is, you guys remember the cycle is that the the, the people would, you know, have victory, God would raise up a judge, they would kind of follow him, things would go cool, and then what would happen a lot of times is that, um, what would end up happening is that the people would then backslide, you know, when things are going good, then they kind of go back to their old life, and then God would have to chasten them, and others would come in and harass them, kind of like what we're reading But we pick it up here in Judges chapter 2. Look what it says in verse 19. And it came to pass when the judge was dead, that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings, not from their stubborn way. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. You see, they were living that life of sin and going back to their old ways, and therefore God would not drive out the nations and so then they fell into what was god's permissive will and from that point on their life became a constant struggle you see and basically what we see you guys is that god does not want that for us i pray that you would know that you know as we go back to joshua we read next in chapter 17 about manasseh and look what it says in verse 1. There was also a lot for the tribe of Manasseh, for he was the firstborn of Joseph, namely for Makur, the firstborn of Manasseh, the father of Gilead. Notice it says because he was a man of war. Therefore he was given Gilead and Bashan. And there was a lot for the rest of the children of Manasseh, according to their families, for the children of Abiezer, the children of Helech, the children of Asriel, the children of Shechem, The children of Hefer and the children of Shemitah. These were the male children of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, according to their families. You know, what does God have for your life? You guys, are we in tune with that? You know, we see here Ephraim receiving their inheritance. We see now Manasseh receiving their inheritance. We read about the allotment here. And it has a special mention of this guy, Makur, Uh, He's mentioned as a man of war. The other people are mentioned, descendants, male descendants, who undoubtedly fought valiantly, faithfully, and heroically. It's interesting, Makur, his name means sold, and he was apparently a sold out and surrendered soldier of the Lord. I think it mentions this to encourage us to be what? Men of war. Men of war. Even you girls, you be men of war, okay? (laughs) Okay. you be woman of, of war because you are in a war. Yeah, you're fighting for your own survival. That's part of it. But a large part of it is you're fighting for others, aren't you? You're fighting for your children. You're fighting for your friends. You're fighting for your parents. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for the glory of God. You're fighting for the good of all people. We are in a war, the Bible says, Right? And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Don't ever forget that you're in a war. We read about these men right here. And then we read about some ladies in verse 3. It says, but Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Makur, the son of Manasseh, had no sons, but only daughters. And these are the names of his daughters, Malah, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Terzah. And they came near before Eleazar the priest, before Joshua the son of Nun, and before the ruler, saying, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our brothers. Therefore, according to the commandment of the Lord, he gave them an inheritance among their father's brothers. Ten shares fell to Manasseh, besides the land of Gilead and Bashan, which were on the other side of the Jordan, because the daughters of Manasseh received an inheritance among his sons and the rest of Manasseh's sons had the land of Gilead." Now it's interesting to me, and I know it's not random. Um, when you look at a map of all the lands and you look at the, the different tribes in their allotment, you'll see Judah had a huge area in the northern portion You'll see Manasseh had a huge area on the east side of the Jordan, and they had a huge area on the west side of the Jordan, and Ephraim. I mean, these tribes received vast amounts. Uh, Scholars tell us they were beautiful, beautiful areas. One of the things you'll notice, though, is that these were the only tribes on the east side of the Jordan to ask for their inheritance. See, there's something about asking. There's something about praying. There's something just about coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, do you have something for me? Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Not what I want to do, God. What do you have for me? What do you want me to do? When you find out what God wants you to do, you're going to find out that that's a very effective and fruitful place of ministry. You're going to find that it satisfies you. You know, and it's not just for the men. And even I think sometimes in the church and even in the days that we live in, we might think what's just for the men, it's the men. But you guys know, I think I know, especially as a pastor, man, how important the, the women are, how powerful God uses them in such a mighty way. And the daughters here of Manasseh are a beautiful example of that. That's why, you know, when you read the Bible and you read through the Pentateuch, you see this uh, mentioned over and over again, Numbers chapter 27, Numbers chapter 33, where things are ironed out and worked out. They said, hey, wait a minute, time out. My father, he had no sons. What about us? Don't we get an inheritance? And Moses said, oh, you know what? Let me check with God on this one. <laughs> This is not really normal stuff. This is not the way of the world. Let me ask God. And so Moses went to God and God said, they're right. Even though they're females, men, they're just as important as you guys are. They have an inheritance as well. Later on, he gave them some fine details. He said, just make sure you ladies marry within your tribe that the land stays within the land of Manasseh. But it's so beautiful. These ladies believing, kind of like You know, Caleb, and remember Caleb's daughter? We read that last week. Awesome, awesome woman of faith. We're going to see later, God even talks more about this. You know, apparently, when looking at this, we see that these ladies, Numbers 27 mentions it, later in Numbers 26, and as a result of them coming forward, believing in God and receiving from God, this became law for all the sisters who had no brothers. God being so good to them. I think even in the fact that what did they want to do? Who did they want to honor? They wanted to honor their father. Beautiful, beautiful illustration for us. And so we read next. Notice it says in verse 7, And the territory of Manasseh was from Asher to Michmethath, that lies east of Shechem, and the border went along south, the inhabitants of Tapua. Here we see now the borders of Manasseh. We read on in verse 8, Manasseh had the land of Tapua, but Tapua on the border of Manasseh belonged to the children of Ephraim. And the border descended to the brook Cana, southward to the brook. These cities of Ephraim are among the cities of Manasseh. The border of Manasseh was on the north side of the brook and it ended at the sea. Southward, as it was Ephraim's northward, it was Manasseh's and the sea was its border. Manasseh's territory was adjoining Asher on the north and Issachar on the east. You know, one of these days, maybe one of you guys will do this, okay? You know what would be a good resource is to have like a a Bible atlas that just goes through the Bible chronologically. That would be awesome. It would probably be about this thick, but that would be awesome. I do have some maps. I've showed you guys some maps. Next week when we really get into dividing the land, I'm going to give you a handout. But when you see, generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, you're going to see God describing, first of all, all their borders, and then secondly, all their cities within. It's kind of cool. Here we see Manasseh receiving their inheritance. God giving, first of all, their borders in verses 7 through 10, and then some towns in verse 11. And in Issachar and in Asher, Manasseh had Bethshean and its towns, Ibliam and its towns, the inhabitants of Dor and its towns, the inhabitants of Endor and its towns, the inhabitants of Tanakh and its towns, the inhabitants of Megiddo and its towns, three hilly regions. Interesting, you know, there's so much here you could study about Endor, which of Endor, you could study about Megiddo, a lot, a lot, a lot here. But the thing that's interesting to me, did you guys notice something new now? It's towns and its inhabitants. Do you notice that? Like, hey, wait a minute, what's that all about? (laughs) Well, that's what we read next. It says in verse 12, yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined to dwell in that land. And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not utterly drive them out. And again, we read of their failure, right? To drive out the inhabitants of Canaan from within those cities. Earlier we saw that they did not. You know, some people, man, you know, they're doing all their things. And you know what? They say, Manny, Jesus, whatever, I don't want, I am not want to change. You know, I like my life. I like to get high. I like to get drunk. I like to, you know, party. I don't want to wait until I get married to have sex. I don't want to. Right? But then there's those that in one sense they haven't tapped into the power of God and they just plain out that they can't because they're not abiding. God's not providing. They're not believing. They're not receiving. And so they find themselves with not even a will but no wealth. It's amazing when you look at it. That's where they were at initially. Apparently initially they were attempting to fight and wage war in their own strength. So easy to tell when you're doing things in your own strength. Why? Because you fall, right? You fail. And the simple sign... Is you lose every time. You guys lose every time? You're not walking in the power of God, right? You know, you find yourself and you're like, and some people, what they'll say is they'll just say, you know what, that's me. That's me. That's the way God made me. Well, that's the way the devil made you, man. <laughs> it's not the way God made you. See, you know, we need to make sure that we don't make excuses. God can make us into men and women of in character, but it has to be the Lord. It has to be God giving us the strength. Again, look at verse 12. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities. Okay, could God drive them out? Oh yeah, no problem, right? No problem whatsoever. But they were doing things in their own strength. Please understand, you guys, there is no man who can win this war on his own. Psalm 60, verse 11, it says, Give us help from trouble for the help of man." is useless. You know, that's really true. That pertains to any man. It could be Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. Or for those of you who think I'm the man, you're not the man. (laughs) There's no man that can win. There's no man, right? Only the Lord. You know, lately in my prayers, it's been kind of cool, you guys. The Lord's been stirring me up with some simple Analogies, and I don't know why for me, maybe it's because I'm a, kind of like a brain-dead person. This really helps me a lot, you know, and, I, and probably because I'm marred, you know, I'm a sinful man. I love it when my kids say, you're a good dad, dad. How, how many dads, wouldn't you attest to that? When you hear that from your kids, you're a good dad, dad. Doesn't that feel good? You know, that's kind of like an illustration of what happens when we praise God. God, you are so good. And I know how it makes me feel when my kids say that to me. You know, or maybe my kids will say something like, Thank you, Dad. Whoa. What what'd you say? <laughs> Thank you, Dad. Oh, you know, that was a good... Thank you for mowing the lawn. You know, thanking you for washing the car. Thank you for going to work or whatever it is, you know, when there's a real, true uh, appreciation. And so when I'm in my prayers, you know, I've just been praying lately. I say, God, you are such an awesome God. You know, God, thank you. And I just go down the list of all the things I thank him for. Another thing I love to hear from my kids, I don't know if you guys ever heard it, but isn't it cool when they say, I'm sorry. Have you ever heard your child say that? Very rare. Very rare. But every once in a while when they truly come and they say, I'm sorry, Dad, for what I did. You know, that's me coming to the Lord and saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done, for what I've been, for what I haven't been. God, forgive me. Real simple things, you know. Um, another thing that I like to tell the Lord is, is, Lord, help me. God, help me. And my kids, every once in a while, man, they tell me, they ask me to help them. You know, I love it when they do that and they ask for help. You know, maybe it's a Bible question that has them stumped, or maybe it's a sticky situation, they don't know what to do. It might be preparation for a spelling bee, or maybe they got stung by a bee. All I know is that when my kids really need my help, and even today, if I could just say, my daughter said, hey, Dad, can you open this for me? It was one of those twist-off bottles. And I, and I thought, this is cool. I, I don't know why, I like that. I said, yeah, babe, I'm strong, you know, I can do it, you know. I mean, there's just something about when you come to God and you ask Him for help. Why? Because without Him, we can't. And if we ask Him for help, He's going to help us. You know, every once in a while, your kids will come and ask for help, but they don't want to listen. So that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about when they really, really are sincere and they need your help. And that's where God wants us to be. You know, I love it when we have that understanding. You know, Father, help me. I can't face this. I want to embrace this, but Father, I can't lick this. I can't kick this. Father, I don't have a shot. I don't have a chance. I don't have a clue without you. So Father, please help me. You know, and and he's there. You know, Psalms 33 verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. You know, again, Psalm 60, verse 11, give us help. Lord, give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. And we can even pray for each other. Maybe you're here and you're going through hard times. We can actually help each other. How? By praying for each other. I love that Psalm. It says in Psalms 20, verse 2, may he send you help from the sanctuary and send you strength from Zion. I love that. May he send you help from the sanctuary. Isn't that cool? You see, God will help us because the help of man is useless. And when we come to drive out the Canaanites, we can't do it. Sometimes we're just overpowered due to the fact that we're walking in our own strength. And then what happens is we get used to it. We compromise. We learn to live life in the lowlands. We actually choose to lose. Notice in verse 13, it says, and it happened, when the children of Israel grew strong, that they put the Canaanites to forced labor but did not utterly drive them out. So what do we see there? We see now the Israelites from a military standpoint could have driven them out if they wanted to, but they saw something that they wanted to hold on to. They said, what we'll do is we'll make them work for us. See, they'll make them work for us. And the illustration is this, that sin will always work against you. So don't ever come to that point in your life where you live life in the lowlands and you say, you know what, even though I could overcome this if I really wanted to, I'm going to hang on to it because I like it. You see, when they did grow strong, what did they do? They buried the biblical mandate. They openly, defiantly, willfully, repeatedly went against the commandment of God Maybe they thought, sometimes they think we think we're smarter than God. You're not smarter than God. None of us are. They blindly saw how certain sins would supposedly work to their advantage. And sometimes people think that. I'm going to hold on to this lifestyle, you know, because it's going to get me out. People cheat on their taxes. They cheat on their spouses. They watch porn. All of this thinking it will enhance their love lives. They do drugs, saying it's only natural. They use profanity, wanting to express themselves. And they end up getting stung. Why? Because they allow worldliness to dwell among them. When God says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6.17 Now, this doesn't mean that we don't reach out to the lost, but it does mean we are not to be like the lost. And so... You know, we can so easily deceive ourselves. Yeah, we'll force them to work for us. The tribe of Manasseh said, But we need to know that sin will always be against us, with no exception, without fail, utterly faithfully, every time. See, you guys, and I don't know if you understand the study. I know it's kind of hard going through, you know, cities like this, ma'am. But what I'm trying to tell you, and I hope you can hear me, is that God really does have an amazing plan for your life. That God will provide for you the power that's necessary to do everything he wants you to do. But we need to yield ourselves to Yahweh and surrender to the Savior. I pray that God would help us. We need to know that we should and could drive out all sin, every demon, all fleshly ways and worldly wants. I pray it would never be said of me that he did not. Because he could not. You know, we know all the contaminants and inhabitants that need to be expelled within our own personal lives. You know, I encourage you guys. I don't know. I know this might sound weird, but maybe make a list and bring it before the Lord. For you guys that are married here, have your wife make a list. What do you think? (laughs) All right. I mean, you know, I know it's hard, man. But seriously, honey, can you help me with this? Even though it hurts, you need to take it to heart, look at it as the prescription for the power of God in your life, right? To gain ground for the glory of God and the good of his people. You know, I was pondering all this earlier and I was thinking, Lord, what is it that your people need to drive out? You know, you got this guy over here and this girl over here. What do we need to drive out today, Lord? You know, can you give me a list so that we can cover it? And the Lord told me, Manny, my son, it would be better if I just showed you your list. (laughs) And then you tell them to spend time with me, God, and then I'll tell them their list. And I really encourage you to do that because all of us here, we're so different. We all have something, though, that we need to overcome. We need to ask God to give us victory over these toeholds and strongholds and strangleholds. And then to go on and fight the good fight in life. You see, the children of Manasseh, interesting, so many people with such a beautiful inheritance. But look what happens when we close in verse 14. It says, Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, saying, Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit, since we are a great people, inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? They were a little prideful, to be honest with you. They thought, You know what? Jacob blessed us, man. <laughs> you know, and, and they were probably a little prideful, so Joshua answered them, If you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Parasites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. But the children of Joseph said the mountain country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. Both those who are of Bethshean and towns and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph to Ephraim and Manasseh saying, listen, you are a great people and have great power. You shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down and its farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots. And are strong. You see, when you look at the land that the sons of Joseph received, it's large and vast and beautiful. But apparently there were some areas that were wooded, a whole bunch of trees inhabited by giants with iron chariots. And so they returned to Joshua and say, Give us more land. We're a great people and we need more land. And by the way, we want something a whole lot easier to possess. We really do, man. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, man, this Christianity stuff, it's pretty radical. God wants all of me. God wants my heart. God wants me to clean house. God doesn't want me to mess around. You know, and these things, Lord, that I've had in my life, you know, I was born with them. Lord, these things, I've had them all my life. It's who I am. And God says, you need to die to yourself. There needs to be a promotion of the lordship of Jesus Christ and a demotion of you. Put yourself on the cross, put him on the throne. Period. That's the way it's supposed to be for us as Christians. You know, and we want an easy life. It's never easy to die. And that's what God's calling us to do, to die to ourselves. That's Christianity. If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Deny yourself means say no to self. No to self. You die to self. And you're like, well, what's left? Right? What's left? What's, Want to know what's left? A life of following Jesus Christ, that's what's left. It's a whole lot better than what you think, you, you know, oh, this is what I should do. No. And so the Lord says, yeah, there's iron chariots there, but man, I can change your life. I can radically transform you. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. You can be a Christian for 30 years and there can be a radical transformation tomorrow, an absolute surrender today. God can do a work. You know, they were a lot different than Caleb. Remember Caleb earlier in chapter 14, verse 12, he said, give me this mountain. There's giants there, descendants of Anak there. Doesn't matter. Give me this mountain. Now they were saying, you know, don't give me that mountain. (laughs) I want something easier in life, you know? And of course we know there's different types of wars that take place They require different types of warriors. And like I share with you against many times, we need to grow. Because the devil's the opposition's growing. Right? So we need to grow. I know there's a lot of hard things going on. You know, it's one thing to fight the foot soldiers, but when you're done with that, the cavalry comes in. You guys know what the cavalry is, right? The horses? Okay, and then when the cavalry's gone, you're like, okay, cool, it's over. And then you look around on the other side of the hill, and here come the men with the iron chariots. You know, that's life. That's the way it is for us as Christians. Bottom line is, it ain't over till it's over, right? And we need to know today what Jesus said in Matthew nineteen twenty six: With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible, you guys. Here I am, I've been walking with the Lord since 1989. Here I am, you know, been involved in ministry, whatever, all the things. But man, I'm telling you this, and I really mean this with all my heart. There's so much more for me. I want to grow. I want to get stronger. And I know that's the case for all of us here. And there's iron chariots. And we're not, you know, going to get past this hump in the road. We're not going to get past this until we really believe in the living God the way that we should. You know, I remember the story in Judges chapter 4. We're going to get there eventually. But do you guys remember the story in Judges chapter 4? You want to know what the opposition was? Nine hundred iron chariots. It's a lot, right? Nine hundred iron chariots. But you know who won? The people of God won. They It doesn't matter. Nine, 900, nine hundred, nine thousand. doesn't matter what your problem is. Nothing's too hard for God. Right? 900 iron chariots. God gave them the victory. And you look at that, and it was pretty cool when you see that. You know, Some would probably say, oh, it must have been a godly man that God used. No, when you read the story, you'll find that they were led by a woman. And her name was Deborah. And she led, why? Because the men weren't willing to lead at that point. And so then I hear someone else in the congregation say, oh, yes, yes, a woman. That makes sense. <laughs> Now, I hear someone say, when you want to get the job done, send a woman, right? <laughs> Friends, we're missing the point. It's not a man and it's not a woman, it's God. See, that's where we need to be. It's not this man or that man. It's not this woman or that woman or Catwoman or Wonder Woman. It doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, it's not any human. But God will use any man and any woman. That would be fully yielded to him. Then we tap into what? His power, you guys. Man, I encourage you guys to really drive out these sins. Let me give you real quick three things. I told you I wasn't going to get specific. But there's three things that we see that are kind of driven out, cast out. You remember what Billy Graham said? He says there are three things that will bring a man down. You guys remember what they are? Pride, woman, and money. Or another way to remember it is the girls, the guy the, the gold and the glory. The girls, sexual sin. Drive it out. Cast it out. First Corinthians chapter five talks about a man living in the congregation, living in sexual sin. what do he tell them? Drive him out. That right there is a real hang up for a lot of people. The girls or the guys, right? We're all susceptible. Second thing is the gold. You guys remember when Jesus got mad and he went into the temple and he drove out the money changers? you guys remember that? There's the gold, right? And we see that a lot of times. That gets in the way. You don't have to have a lot of money. You couldn't even have a little money. It doesn't matter. Whenever the girls get in the way of God or the gold gets in the way of God, drive it out. Jesus took whips, overturned you know, tables, and he drove them out, right? And then the last thing we see is the glory. And what that is is over in Galatians chapter 4 verse 30, nevertheless what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. You see when you read the New Testament you see three things. You see to cast out this sexual sinner, you see to, you know, drive out these money changers in the temple. And you see, to cast out the bond woman. And, and what's that all about? Well, you know what that's all about? It's about when we try to do things in our own strength. When we hold to the law of God. It was symbolic there in the Old Testament of Ishmael and Isaac. And Ishmael was of the flesh. People were trying to get stronger by the power of their flesh and their rules and regulations. They're trying to do it on their own strength. And the whole book of Galatians is saying, why are you going back to the law? You've been set free. When you began, how did you start? It was by faith. The Spirit of God did a work. Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? It's not going to happen, you guys. It's an admission. It's an understanding of, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm going to cast out the flesh, Lord. I'm going to just ask you, by your Spirit, to do a real, new, true work in me. And as we allow God to work, it's so cool, we cast out the bondwoman, we cast out the money changers, we cast out the sexual sin, sensual sins, emotional sins, spiritual sins, things like that, and God does what? God does a great work. And so... Man, I really encourage you guys, man, just to know the Lord is for you. To ask Him for help. I'm not the man that I want to be, and so I go forward. But I I also take courage in that I'm not the man I used to be. God's doing the work, huh, you guys? For you guys to come on a Thursday night, you get ten points for that. (laughs) and uh truly you know it's it's rarer nowadays Sunday mornings people still come Thursday nights a, a little less Sunday nights is real tough but you know I'm really blessed to see you here today and I just pray that man you would just take hold of his of his garment and that tonight wherever you're at maybe you're here today and you're and you're struggling maybe you're here today and you're overwhelmed with things that are going on in your life and you don't have the peace you don't have the joy uh, you don't have the strength. Um, the The primary reason we're here is just to come to God. Come to God wherever you're at, whatever background you have, wherever whatever you're going through. Let's come to God tonight, you know, and let's ask Him, Lord, meet me where I'm at. I come to You and I need You. I need You, Lord, and I and I promise you, when you come to the Lord like that, He will meet you there. And He will do a work in, in your life. I've seen Him really, really doing a work lately, radically changing lives, reaching people. And, you know, I almost feel like we're living in times where, you know, there's just like this wave of God's power and opportunity. I see it in front of me. Of course, there's still the, the carnality, but I see this opportunity, you guys, right here. And whenever you see that wave, you know, coming in, man, I encourage you, To really catch that wave. Don't miss out. God is available. God is here. God is alive. God wants to do a new work. He loves you. He's asking you and I just to surrender our lives. To be willing to repent of our sins. To just drive them out. To just clean house. To let go of those things. To flee those things. And to run to God. And I know that as we do that, it's so cool what He wants to do in us and, and that He wants to do through us. So let's possess the land. Father, we thank You for allowing us to be here tonight. Lord, I pray that You would continue to work in us. Lord, we need You. I I can't do anything without You, Lord. And so I just pray uh, tonight You help us. Help us through the struggles. Help us through the hard times. Help us through, Lord, the valleys. Help us, Lord, even after the victories, Lord, on the mountaintop. Let there be no pride or, Lord, let there be no uh, sin. Anything that would get in the way of what you want to do in our life. Thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that you would use your word, Lord, to transform our lives. So that we can live a life, Lord, that would bring you glory. And that would even bring, Lord good and blessings to our life and those around us. We love you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And we pray, Lord, all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand close with us. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at aircode Code 626 626- Four five, four, three, four, one four. Remember that Jesus loves you.